And so what I want to do this morning is, is I, I want to serve what's going on in the church here. Um, and so I'm, I'm, going, I'm going into John chapter 4, and I'll be talking about evangelism. And I know uh, that's where you all have been the last few weeks. And uh, so I, I want to review a little bit of, of what, do you call him Brad or Pastor Brad? Okay. Uh, so I'd like to, you call him both? Okay. I'd like to review what both said. And uh, we, have, we have a special prayer need that we would like to pray for. We have a, a mission down in Mexico, and this is very, very exciting. Uh, we work with a group of indigenous people, and uh, there's uh, about 40 or 50 villages up in a mountain region. And uh, we're planting small churches. <clears throat> and when this one particular city, Candelaria, uh, we have about uh, 50 new believers, about a dozen families, and then kids. Um, and they got saved. They became believers. And as a result, they begin to get oppressed by the community because they no longer participated in a lot of the sort of synchronistic religion. And so we, we have partnered with them and founded a new city. It's called Mount Zion. And uh, so we're building those houses right now. And uh, the families are slowly moving. But one of the families has not moved yet. And we just got a phone call. And uh, Bill, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the people in Condelaria came to their home in Condelaria and burned it down last night. Is that right? So while I was sitting here, I got that call from, uh, from Pedro Basilio, who is our, our pastor down there. And uh, so they, they, <laughs> they'll probably get their house built first over in Mount Zion, but uh, they're going to leave Condelaria and uh, end up in Mount Zion. But, but it, it's kind of tense. And so Pedro called and he calls me sometimes on Sunday mornings. And so we took that call. So thank you all for partnering with us in prayer and intercession for them. That, I, I'm glad the call came while we were here. And, and, and you all can, can be a part of that. Um, I'm going to take a few minutes and review. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll start with last week. So Brad went over six kinds of evangelism. And the primary... Uh, the foundational uh, means of evangelism is lifestyle evangelism. Uh, we always participate in lifestyle evangelism when we go out to eat. Uh, our server today was Lexi, uh, short for Alexis. Bill and I told her uh, dad jokes. And uh, uh, she said, please preach to me. Quit telling dad jokes. Um, but uh, it's just the way you live your life creates the foundation uh, for sharing with other people. And then he talked about mass evangelism. I think he mentioned Reinhard Bonnke, Billy Graham. He talked about power evangelism, and I think that is the key here at this church, uh, is power evangelism. I think he mentioned that. Of course, relational evangelism, he said, was the point of the spear, that um, uh, it's just our ongoing relationship with our kids, with our neighbors, with the people we work with. Uh, and then he talked about direct evangelism. What's the name of that uh, evangelist he mentioned? Um, Ray Comfort. Ray Comfort. Uh, you go on, he talked about going online to YouTube and you can find all kinds of uh, videos where he just walks up to people with a microphone and starts sharing with them. He said that's the one he loves the most. Uh, I'm being sarcastic, by the way. 
Uh, remember Brad said he's sort of the introvert. Uh, he called it a number nine. I don't know what that is, but uh, that, that, that it scares him to death to do that. Um, Bill, by the way, is just the opposite. He loves to just accost people anywhere and uh, bend their ear about Jesus. I'm sort of the same way, so we get in trouble a lot. And uh, then crises evangelism. That's when, uh, like going to Lighthouse, I believe you mentioned, and finding people in, in turmoil. So really keep that in mind, that, that there's a, a plethora of ways that we can share the gospel and we need to do all of these. Notice I said we need to do all of these, not I. Brad pointed out everybody's not going to do every one of these, but we as a church, King's Church, we are going to do these. And I think he mentioned in the future, hopefully, maybe even doing mass evangelism. So I just wanted to throw that back into the background and also find out if there was a real Bubba Grunt. Um, so uh, then I'm going to stretch you, though, and I might even, I might even quiz you a bit. And uh, since I don't know your name, you're not going to get in trouble with uh, uh, Brad because I won't be able to tell him who didn't know. But um, he said that there are three things, three primary things that keep people from sharing the gospel. Does anybody remember one of them? Fear, (laughs) that's the number one. And you don't even have to remember it. You just know uh, fear of sharing the gospel. Uh, Number two was, anybody got it? Well, I think that comes under fear. But he had two more. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give that to you. Jim, I'm going to tell Brad, because I do know your name. I'm going to tell him that you did not know. But <laughs> Bill, I'm going to give you... <laughs> um, I, not equipped. Um, you said knowledge, but I think you're thinking the same. Not equipped. I just don't know how to do it. Can anybody get the third one? Unworthiness. Um, he mentioned that in, in one of the teachings, but that wasn't one of these three. Um, don't you like when people ask you a question and they got an answer they want? Your answer is right, but they want their answer. But I'm, I'm trying to do the three that he listed. And it was fear, lack of opportunity, and not equipped. And I believe it was at the end of this teaching or some other teaching that he... he we had the commitment cards. Who here filled out a commitment card? Would you raise your hand? They only had four that week, but you could ask and get more. The commitment card was to, number one, begin to ask the Lord for power encounters. Wait, no, no. Number one, confront your own barriers. Number two, connect with God's heart. And number three, get equipped. And number four, commit to engage with the unsaved. And he had cards that you, you could fill out. But in the, in the video, he said, we only have four. So I think four people raised their hands. So there you go. Uh, but uh, uh, so confront your barriers, connect with God's heart, get equipped, and commit to engage with the unsaved. Um, and I think that last part is where he called for the card. How many of y'all were here and you did at that point commit? I am going to get engaged with the unsaved. Would you just throw your hand up and back down? Everybody close your eyes. Somebody come up and sing a, a dirge and raise your hand so nobody can see. All right. So some of you have committed yourself to it. Um, and the reason I wanted to ask that question, and I'm getting ready to get into John chapter 4 in just a second, is... Um, how many of you have friends that are hunters? I hunt. Does anybody have friends that are hunters? Is anybody here a hunter? Is anybody here not a hunter and you have friends that are hunter? That's the 
Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? Um, have you ever had somebody who's a hunter begin to talk to you about the last deer they got? They tell you what time they got up. They tell you what they were wearing. Uh, they tell you what kind of scent uh, they put on their clothes. They tell you how they washed their clothes two weeks ago and put them in a plastic bag and stuck them out on the back porch. And uh, the wife got them and washed them, and he had to wash them again. And, so, and then he get through all that. And then he starts going into ballistics. And the difference between a 30-30 and a 30-06. And how if you want to shoot a deer that's on a ridge, what kind of scope. You, you know, and he's going on and on. And you're like, oh. Huh? Give me the meat. Give me the meat. Me the meat. Show me the meat. Yeah. Show me the beef. Yeah. Like, just, just bring the deer home, honey. You know, just skip the ballistics, you know. Um, I don't care if it's a shotgun or it's a, you know, a, a, a deer rifle. Um, how does that apply to what I'm about to do? Well, you're going to be miserable today if you haven't committed yourself to do evangelism. I, I, I'm going to be sharing principles about how you can get engaged and trying to pick up on what Brad has shared with us. Overcoming our fears, equipping ourselves, committing ourselves to go out to specific kinds of evangelism. But if you're really not interested in doing that, you know, I might as well be talking about ballistics or, or you know, how to prepare deer sausage or something. I don't know. Uh, so I apologize to you if you're not interested in uh, going out and sharing the gospel and it's boring and Feel free to sleep. I can't see very well anyway. So if your eyes are closed, uh, it, it really won't bother me. But let's do this. Let's go ahead and let's look at John chapter 4. And again, my purpose this morning is not to teach you anything new, but to maybe strengthen some of the things that you've been learning for the last uh, three weeks in evangelism and encourage you a little bit. So we're going to talk about the woman at the well. Uh, it's John chapter 4. And the first thing I want to talk about is, you know, Brad talked about a lot of different aspects that play into evangelism. And one of the things he talked about, one of the reasons that people don't share is because of lack of opportunity, right? Um, he said that, lack of opportunity. We think, well, where can I share the gospel? Well, one of the things that if you'll pay attention, your circumstances will present an opportunity to share the gospel. This is exactly what happened to Jesus. Um, how many of you ever go on vacation? Anybody go on vacation? How many of you all ever go to the grocery store? How many of you all have to get gas at over $4 a gallon? Uh, I see a couple of you have electric cars. Uh, you know, uh, how many of you all come to church? And you have to walk through the community. Because there's often somebody rambling in these... Uh, opportunity comes from circumstances and the particular circumstances i'm talking about is when you go from one place to another oh lord there's no place do you go from one place to another you run into people all the time so jesus it says learned that the pharisees had heard uh, that he was making and baptizing more disciples than john and you just sort of have to think about why he left judah and uh, and went down to galilee but evidently the Pharisees were getting upset, so he just had to leave. Out of him having to leave, out of him having to go get uh, a new string for uh, the weed eater, <laughs> the circumstance, out of him having to go, I work at Lowe's uh, one day a week, uh, half a day, and, uh, and so all of my examples are Lowe's examples generally, which is much better than the orange store. Um, and uh, does anybody here work at the orange store? 
I don't want to offend anybody. Um, every time a circumstance happens that makes you go do something, you usually run into an opportunity to share the gospel. It's right there in front of you. I mentioned that we got to share with our, our, our waitress today. Um, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, all right, so he was thirsty. That's a circumstance. We get thirsty. Sometimes we get hungry. And we might go to a restaurant. We might go to Sonic. We might go to Dairy Queen. Guess what? There are people there. Those are opportunities. Uh, they, they, you have to change your insurance. You get a scam call. Scam calls are the best place to share the gospel. So, you know, somebody calls you, you know, I'm, my best friend this, these days is Scam Likely. He shows up on my phone all the time. And, and it blows them away. Oh, I am so glad you called. My, my, my auto insurance policy is running out. Well, let me tell you what. I would love to tell you about Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you. Do you have a minute? You've shared the gospel. Boom, opportunity. Look at your circumstances and instead of letting them be irritations, I got to go get more string. I got to go. If we're about the kingdom of God, opportunity just dumps on us all the time. Um, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So they had gone to get food. Again, a circumstance. Well, this is the person that's here. You know, I didn't go looking for anybody. I was sitting here tired and thirsty. Can you give me something to drink? Man, this says waitress, waiter all over the place. Um, so uh, circumstances, if you'll stop, and instead of seeing your circumstances as irritations that you have to go do things, stop and say, every time I have to go from A to B, I'm going to run into somebody, and that person is my opportunity. Now, there's a lot more that you'll have to do, because just because you have an opportunity doesn't mean you know how to do it. You may not be equipped, but at least get the lie out of your head that there's no opportunity. Because there is opportunity all over the place. Anytime you go from A to B, you are running into opportunity. And the circumstance of whatever person God puts there, they are there because he knew you were coming. And there's an opportunity. So, so to maybe help you overcome the lie that there's no opportunity so you can move on uh, to, to dealing with getting equipped, uh, then you know where your target is. And so now you kind of get ready. So let's keep moving down through. And there's just several principles that you come to as you walk through here. So the next thing that happens, the woman that he runs into, he said, she says, no, why are you a Jew talking to me? Because we know that the Jews, they don't, they don't uh, have any dealings with us Samaritans. Uh, you, you all know pretty much who the Samaritans were. They were half-breed Jews who were part of the 10 tribes that gone into captivity. They'd intermarried. They came back. They were not pure. They worshiped in a different mountain. And so the, the staunch legalistic Jews wouldn't have anything to do with them. So she says, you guys have no dealings with us. So again, this is somewhat like the crisis. Uh, I, I look at there. Uh, boy, that's awesome. Um, this is sort of like the crisis evangelism. You run into people that might not normally be your cup of tea. 
the guy on the corner. I know uh, uh, Brad talked about uh, his wife making him stop and go back and give away the four dollars and uh, and share the gospel with somebody that saw holding a sign. Um, but uh, this is not someone that Jews would typically speak with. And so again, as far as opportunity goes, sometimes a crisis situation, we avoid it because that's not really the kind of people I hang out with. I, I really don't know how. To, not that you think you're better than them. You just feel like, how, how could I? I don't know how to connect. Well, Jesus overcame that cultural barrier and he moved right into her life. And uh, then... She, Jesus said this to her. He says in verse 10, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. I think this is so important. And we go back to what Brad said. Brad said that there is a transfer that has taken place. You remember the three things that he says have transferred? First of all, the assignment Second of all, the authority. And third of all, the power. And I want to bring this back to that because it's so, so important. If you are just trying to make it through this life, if, if you are just trying not to sin, if, if you're just hanging on by the skin of your teeth, I, I don't want to weigh you down with sharing the gospel right now. But if you've received the transfer, I want to encourage you to walk in it. Jesus Christ understood that he was the salvation of the whole earth. He knew that he had authority from God to speak into people's lives. And he knew he had the power to back it up. But when he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. And he said, now you go. All authority is given to me in heaven and earth. And now I send you. You've got to find some place sometime where you can stop. And really change the way you think about yourself. So that when you walk into a situation, it's not, I don't know. You have got to walk into that situation. Christ has walked into the room. And I have power and authority. And I am the answer to the problem in this room. Everybody say, I am the answer to the problem. Now, some of you don't really believe that. But it is true. If you are born again, Christ lives inside of you, and that is the hope of glory. And if we are going to get involved in evangelism, we've got to get past thinking that, that we do it in our own strength, or uh, I've never been good at public speaking, or whatever. And you've got to receive this transfer of power, of authority, and just as important, the, the, the transfer of the assignment it is our assignment to win this city. And when you show up, that's why you're there. Can you see the meter reader showing up, coming into your backyard and going, well, you know, you're in your backyard. And, uh, well, uh, well, I'll skip that one. Well, you get back to the office and they're like, well, you didn't do some, 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 some marine water drive. Why not? Well, you know, I just didn't feel like I was, I, I didn't, I, you know, go read the meter. You know? You are the answer to the problem. And we have got to allow that to, to, to dwell up and or, or rise up inside of us. So I really appreciated that when Brad talked about there's been a transfer. We are now uh, the body of Christ, Christ himself to the world when we walk into the room. All right, let's keep going. Um, and so he says that to her. 
And then the woman says, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. The well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. And then Jesus goes on and says to her in verse 13, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So the, 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 the uh, interaction here is, give me water. If you knew who was talking to you, you would ask me to give you water. But you can't give me water because you don't have anything to draw with. Sweetheart, let me tell you. <laughs> if you know who was talking to you, you would ask me to give you water. And I would give you water and you would never thirst again. Sounds good to me. Where do you get this water? Give it to me. So what we see is a transition through this, through this first part of the story. It goes from hitting a person in the middle of their life. And I, and I hope this helps you. As you approach people, as you decide, I'm going to share with that person, you're probably going to meet them at some point of need. And they're going to want that need to be met. This woman was thirsty. She was thirsty for water. She was thirsty for men. She was thirsty for a settled down life. And she said, well, yeah, if you've got some water so I don't have to come and draw from this well every day, please give it to me. And then, then a, a transition takes place. Jesus realizes, okay, I'm sharing with this person. They're a human being. They've got hungers. They've got needs. They've got uh, all, all, all of this going on. And I've tapped into that. But I've got to move it. I've got to help her realize that, no, I don't have this little bottle uh, that, that's going to spew out water. And she'll never. I'm going to have to get her from the place that she's thinking, okay, this guy can meet my need to, there's a whole different way to live life, and there's a hunger I have that I don't even know about. And that's where a transition has to take place. And you got to remember that when you're sharing with people. Otherwise, you end up promising them to meet all of their physical needs, and therefore, they will become a Christian. And they never tap into the reality of, I, I've just leaned to my sinful wants and desires. And this is just another place that might give me a free meal. Does that make sense? And so how do we do that? How do we go from people coming to the church to get free stuff, uh, to be happy, or even to have friends, and never touch that real water of life? Well, this is the place where King's Church plays a key role in our city. And I want, to, I want you to listen really well. we got a problem in our city. It's called religion. It's called a veneer of religious education that has no relationship with God. And so Jesus is talking to this woman. She's, she's interested because I'm tired of coming to this well. My life stinks. Can you make my life better by giving me something or being something? And he says, look, let me tell you this. Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. 
What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. She goes from, Hey, you know, you're a salesman with this secret bottle that'll give me water? Ho, ho, whoa, wait a minute. Who told you that I've been married five times? Where did that come from? It came from power evangelism. Uh, when, when Brad went through this, he keyed in on this part. Jesus was able to touch her in a way that only a prophet could touch her. Only the Spirit of God, only something other than what this world has to offer touches her. And it's like, boom. I am going to listen to this person. Very, very powerful. And, and I want to point this out. How many of you all are a little bit tentative on engaging in power evangelism out on the street? Anybody? Okay, well, never mind. Uh, so I'm about finished here. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. I am, but let me, I'm a coward. And, and I always use this as, 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 a, as a way to move toward power evangelism. I flag as I go. I touch in places that I think will interest. Uh, I know where people are. I know what they want. And rather than saying, I am going to prophesy to this person, I just start. I take my circumstance and I work where I am. And, and let me tell you, if you'll do this. Now listen real close. I hope somebody does this and calls me and says, Billy, I listened and it's what I did. You're going to find yourself in a circumstance. And inside, you're going to love that person. You're going to want to share with them. And you're going to want to speak to the very heart of their need. But you don't know what it is. And you're sitting there. You're going, Lord, give it to me. Lord, give it to me. Lord, give it to me and I'll speak. That might not happen. But you can say, hey, how you doing? And they may say, great. They say, might say, eh, the day's kind of tough. And then you can, can meet them in common sense ways. And listen, I don't know how many times I've engaged people in just common sense ways, not necessarily thinking that I'm going to get a revelation, but in the conversation, all of a sudden, it begins to unfold. And you speak to their heart, and it's like, wow, God has shown up. Anybody ever done that? You just, you're not intending to do the power evangelism. You just love them. You want to get into their life. And as you're doing it, it's like, what's going on? And you're like, wow, this is great. I'm telling you, God is on the other side wanting to reach this woman at the well. And as Jesus is faithful to engage her, he probably wasn't as afraid to do power evangelism as I am. But you know what I'm saying, right? So I just want to encourage you. Uh, believe God to do that. But don't, don't get so hung up that if, if it doesn't come, you don't engage. Because sometimes after you engage, it happens. Well, that's what happens here. And I, I think it was written this way so we could see that as a pattern. So, so here is where it changes. It goes from uh, this, this thing might profit me some. It might make me happy. It might make me not have to come to the well to woe. We're talking about something deeper here. So she goes religious on him. All right. And so immediately she realizes something religious is going on. And so she says, oh, this is religious stuff. Okay. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And you say we should worship in that mountain. Which mountain should we worship in? And Jesus says, believe me, the hour is coming 
when uh, uh, it will neither be in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, but we worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So, especially in this city, I think it's important that we understand this. People are really wrapped up in lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, boastful pride of life. You can engage them on those needs, but pretty quickly you've got to move them into living water. But in the transition from those needs to living water, we have a really big barrier, and it's called religion. Lexington is glossed over with religion. There's very few people you can talk to that didn't used to go to church somewhere. And they've rejected church somewhere because the church somewhere they went to was not really moving in, in the anointing or the power of the Spirit of God. And, and automatically, when you get thrown in, when you get you know, lumped in with the thing they left, your ship is sunk. I wouldn't go back to church either if, if I left some of the churches that some people left. And so you've got to get past the religious barrier as well. You, go, you, get, you, you get past the, the, just the natural and you get into the religious, but you have to get past the religious. And so what Jesus has done is he's touched her at a great point of need relationship. And then he speaks a truth to her and he says, the hour is coming when those who worship God will worship him in spirit and in truth. And uh, he says, now is the hour. And the woman begins to catch on. And she realizes, whoa, we know that Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And then Jesus says, I who speak to thee am he. In that moment when he preaches Christ... When he preaches himself as the Messiah, it bursts open. It gets, past the, it gets past the religion. It gets past the thing I need. And uh, how do we know uh, that it gets past all of that? Because she leaves her water jug. The scripture says, the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, she had come out there to get natural water. But when she had finally met Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, she forgot her water bottle and went back into the city. And so if you'll follow that progression, when you engage people, they've got a water pot. They think they have something to offer you. You tell them your water pot's better. And they say, well, okay, then I won't need my water pot. I'll just drink your water. But then you move on and, and you begin to tell them that, well, it's a different kind of water. And then they get religious. Oh, I've been baptized. Well, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about the Messiah who can tell you everything you've ever done. And then they hear and they respond. And they're like, wow. They drop the pot and they, they, they go back. And what do they go back to do? What did she go back to do? To tell everybody else. Now... If, if, if you'll, is it, is it, has it been 50 minutes? Brad always fix 50 minutes. Oh, it's not been that long. It may sound like two hours to you, but it's only been a short while. 
Now, this next part is very, very interesting. I think, I think John is addressing something else in the rest of it. In the rest of the story, I, 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 may, I, may, just, I may just tell you the story because it might get too long to read it. Here's what happens. The disciples come back, and they're really surprised that he's talking uh, to this woman. And so uh, at that, she drops her pot, and she goes back to tell everybody. And then the disciples say, all right, Jesus, here, we brought bread. And Jesus says, I'm not hungry. And they're like, well, why not? And he says, I have bread to eat that you don't know anything else about. My meat is to do the will of the Father. And so now Jesus is doing the same thing with his disciples, the same thing he needs to do with us that he did with the Samaritan woman. It goes from, it's all about the food. Is that really why we came to this city? Is our real reason for being in Lexington to make enough money to put food on the table? Or is there some other reason by whatever circumstance we ended up here that God brought us here? And what is so interesting about this, Jesus says, I have meat to eat that you know not of. My meat is to do the will of the Father. And if you'll remember, Brad, a couple of weeks ago, he said, God wants this building to be full, and you have got to capture the Father's heart. And that's what Jesus walked around, wanting the house of God to be full, living out of the Father's heart. The disciples still had not fully gotten it because they went into a city full of opportunity. And what do they come back with? Bread. And just like the woman leaves her water pot and goes back to the city, the guys bring bread and she says, damn, I don't don't really need that. I'm full. I've been participating in the will of the Father. And I think for us as disciples, so many times coming back to opportunity, we don't see the opportunity because we're so caught up with the bread that we're on our way to get. Make sense? We've got to let God open our heart. And just like Brad said, I hate to keep quoting him, uh, but no, I don't. Uh, I'm at his church. It's fine for me to do that. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, I'm starting to feel like Brad. You know, so every time he starts something, sometimes he doesn't finish. He's like, well, put, the, put, the, put, put it up because I forgot what I was going to say. He did that one time when I was watching it. Um, but just like Brad said, we have got to get the Father's heart. And we have got to understand that, that we have been commissioned to do it. And then we've got to open our eyes to the opportunity and live in it. So the disciples come back. And they're all about the bread. Jesus said, no, I don't need that bread. But then what is really interesting. And again, this will come back to another point that that Brad made. Um, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Wow. Is that amazing? Twelve disciples had gone into the city and shopped around, and they hadn't seen a single opportunity. This woman, who's been a Christian for 20 minutes, goes, and many, many people believe. Why? Because she knew the opportunity. She knew the pain. 
She knew the hurt that that city was living in, and she was able to touch it. And so we've got to get past living in our own little bubble and realize that our city may be veneered over with religion, but there's a lot of pain and hurt out there. And we need to engage them in practical ways. And in the midst of those practical ways, we need to look for a miracle, for God to speak. And we do this simply by taking on the Father's heart and taking on the Father's commission and committing ourselves to it and engaging in simple ways to open up those doors. And um, Jesus told the disciples, he said, Look, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Look, it's easy. It's easy. It's white. It's ripe. They are there. So I just wanted to come back and go through this and maybe reinforce some of the things that Brad shared with us. And uh, so I, I think relational evangelism, but specifically he mentioned power evangelism. How do you get to that? Well, you start in the natural. You just engage people in love. And out of that love, it opens up the door for the Holy Spirit to, to speak to them. That's it. That's all I got. Bill, take it away. Thank you very much, Thank you. Billy. <laughs> I don't have anything necessary, but other than we will see you next week. And maybe I'll challenge you. Let's challenge each other to uh, get out of our comfort zone a little bit more and, and evangelize. That's going to look different for each person, but it's going to, you know, change is not easy. Like sometimes it's just a matter of doing it. I mean, we can overthink it all we want, but uh, I just challenge you, challenge your family members, other other people. You got today. Don't let today uh, uh, be wasted. All I know, speaking from my testimony, I was born and raised in religion, right? And so it's not that it was necessarily wrong. It just, I never had the right, it wasn't told to me right or I wasn't receiving it right. For me, it was, I didn't enjoy going to church every, every time. There was a set of rules, and I didn't like the rules because I was probably a kid, right? So for me, I pushed away religion. It's really all about Jesus. And, you know, when you talk with people, even me back in the day, was I would get in discussions about religion. But if you strip it all away... When you get right down to it, he was either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord, like C.S. Lewis said. It's that simple. He was who he said he was, or he was a crazy man. You can't, yeah. I mean, so anyways, if you bring it back to Jesus, it's it's easy. It's easy. So, Father God, we just thank you that you're going to present opportunities for us. And we're going to be looking for those. You're going to give us eyes to see opportunities both in, in our, our family, immediate family, which might be sometimes hard, but, um, but just with our neighbors, with our friends, just, you know, they're going to see the fruit that, that we have, that we're walking out, that you gave us. And there's just going to be something that's so appealing. Like at the well, the, the, the woman noticed the light in Jesus and she wanted that. She wanted, she, she didn't sample the water, he said. She wanted it because she saw that there was something different about him. So we want people to just notice our walk, our fruit, our, the Holy Spirit inside of us taking us to new places. 
And that will speak, that's a testimony unspoken. And then they'll hear us talk about you. And then you'll do the rest. You save them, we don't. We just want to play a part in that, Father. We thank you for new eyes this week. In your son Jesus' name, amen.